From the Center for Conscious Communication, this is Leading Life. Hi, everyone. My name is Stacy Carruth. I'm the founder of the Center for Conscious Communication, and this is Leading Life, a podcast spotlighting women business leaders who are making a difference, following their passion and challenging the status quo. Today, my guest is Kathy Becker. She's the founder of The Bloomery, a 100-year-old hay farm and former sheep ranch. It's also a summer concert and special event venue, flower farm, and the home of two well-loved wild horses. Welcome, Kathy. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Stacey. I am really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So let's start with what is the bloomery? Can you create a visual for our audience who hasn't been there yet? Yes, I would love to. So um, the bloomery is a hundred year old, hundred acre farm that sits west of Casper and Every direction you turn, there's something different and wonderful to look at. The the home sits on the south border of the property. On the east, there is a line of trees that hosts so much wildlife. I look out my window and there's always something there to be surprised by. Today, you know, we all live in Wyoming, so we all see lots of wildlife all the time. But I don't know, I feel so lucky to have those scenes. Um, on the north, there's just this beautiful sage sea, and on the west is the farm area where the animals are and the flowers are and um, where we live, And but that's basically where we live with our animals and interact and do our chores and grow our flowers and where we have our concerts, and I try to put it in a little box so that it's easy for people to understand, but I always wanted to live somewhere in the country where I could look out one direction and not see anything that spoke of human existence. Yeah. And so this has that view and it's my favorite place at the end of the day to just look out to the Northwest and not see any, anything, any houses or roads, or I just think those views are becoming so few and far between now that I feel very lucky to have a little bit. Yeah. Well, the time I've been there, Kathy, I really noticed that as well, that there, there's this big line of trees and it, mm-hmm. and your green grass and your home and the twinkly lights and all the things <laughs> in the evening. And then the flower beds, of course, and your horses. And then mm-hmm. beyond that is this very Wyoming landscape that is right. behind you where you can see the sunset and you know, some of those uh, very Wyoming things. But it it's almost to me like I've stepped out of Wyoming in some way when I'm at your home as well. It feels like I'm in a, I don't know, maybe more of a the South or something that it just like creates this different vibe. And then I'm almost surprised when I look out over that, you know, sagebrush field behind you as well so it seems that you have the best of both worlds there I think the description is better from you and I think it's better from people who visit because I've lived here for so long that I'm used to my perspective and so I 
don't think my perspective is very fresh anymore, but I will add one more thing that you kind of touched on about it feeling like the South, and that is that when we moved here, there's a little white house that was the original bunkhouse, and it's still here, and it is falling apart, sadly. Hopefully one day I'll be able to redo that. But we bought a single wide trailer, and we lived here for a couple of years with our three daughters, and it was actually very wonderful. It was inexpensive, easy to clean, and we spent most of our time outside. But I wanted a house that looked like it belonged on this property. And the immigrant history that went through Wyoming is really special and really important to me. And um, so we were very involved in that. And so the time frame of the 1860s is something that I've studied a lot. And we ended up choosing um, a house plan that's from historic houses back in Massachusetts. And so my justification for this house is, well, you know, this lady came out from the East Coast and they decided to settle right here in Wyoming and she wanted a little piece of home. So she built her own, you know, so it's a very New England house that's sitting out here on the Wyoming prairie. <laughs> I had a little bit of kickback from that, believe it or not, that sort of made me question what I've done. But as the years have transpired, it's... It is my home, and it really speaks of my family and what we've done and what we love. And so you will see that very New England house on this Wyoming prairie if you come out and visit us. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up because the house is pretty significant, and I just kind of forget about it because I've been here so long. So you've lived here on this, you've lived on the property for quite some time, and then you've improved it over time and created this really beautiful space. But what is it that made you decide that you wanted to share that with other people? So I wanted to do that from the beginning, because uh, coming out here, I always felt like when I got here, I could just catch my breath. And the, the saying that went through my head was, I feel like I stepped off the world for a while coming home. And that might sound kind of cheesy, but I have a friend who heard me say that, and she reminds me of that a lot, and I really appreciate her doing that for me. So over the years, you know, I raised my three daughters here, and in doing that, we were so busy that the farm was really neglected. And it was a lot of work. We did all of the hanging by ourselves and raised our daughters and we were involved in things. And so now looking back, I know there were a lot of things that needed attention that we did not give attention to just by nature of living life. So when my last daughter, my youngest daughter was graduating from college and moving out of the house for good, that was a really key time for me because I had been so busy up until that point and even had found some of my own things to do because the girls were so busy. You know, I, I don't like not having a purpose. And so she was off, you know, in Laramie and I was here at home and getting kind of burned out with some of the things I've been doing because it was always, you know, it was, they were wonderful projects, but they were for other people and their projects and not not my own so I was trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to do now that my girls have blown the nest and I'm faced I'm forced to look at my future 
And I thought I was this close to saying I want to sell a farm and move. So I started just getting out of the house and walking the property just to do something. And I was up on my favorite. There's this little point on the northwest corner of the property that is a high point and it overlooks the whole valley in Casper Mountain and it's so pretty and away from the road so you don't have any traffic and it's just quiet and peaceful and there was this really weird moment where something came over me and I looked at the land and I thought you have been neglected for so long because of our busyness in life, but look at what an amazing place you are with so much wildlife and so much nature. And we're supposed to be your caretaker and we're not being your caretaker. And I just felt this really deep connection and love to this little farm that we had just taken for granted. And, I went back to the house and I pulled out a piece of paper and a pen and I started writing all of these plans that I had way back when, but had just gone to the wayside. And so I said, we either need to sell this farm or we need to dig our heels in. It needs to become what it is supposed to be. It never has been all that it can be. So that's what needs to happen or we need to stakes and move and so he he's usually really on board with me and all my crazy ideas and his job always ends up being the grunt work <laughs> he's always doing that I have a list and I hand him my list and say I have to have this by this date so get going <laughs> and he does not complain at me although I know he probably would rather be fishing but anyway he agreed to it and it was really funny because the whole first two years it was so much work more work than we had ever poured into this thing and it was just the two of us and me mostly with my garden and the whole flower process is long and sometimes I wonder what I got myself into (laughs) But I love it so much. And then just to extend a little bit down the path, seeing how the flowers have affected people in town, I had no idea that people cared so much. And I've just had the nicest, kindest responses to those flowers that make it entirely worthwhile. And even if I had a tiny little property, I think I would keep, growing flowers for those sweet ladies who love them so much. That just makes me so happy. So it's become much bigger than my plan and much bigger than me. It's not about me. It's about this community who has really embraced. I'm going to get a lump in my throat, but I, so many people feel connected to this place. And that is not something that I could have orchestrated. I'm just doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do for this place. And it's almost like it really has a soul. And it was just saying, please turn to me now and take care of me. And so after that, that moment up on the hilltop, I came inside and I found this quote. It's so funny how things fall into your lap, but boy, this really, Uh, hit home and it's by Willa Cather from her book O Pioneers and it says it says we come and go but the land will always be here 
Those people who love and understand it are the only ones who really own it for a while. And I just, I love that so much because I just feel like this was a gift that we weren't even acknowledging. And COVID and being home and being forced to realize that I have a lot of life in front of me and what what are we going to do now brought everything into focus. And I love it. I, I feel like I'm running on ice. I have so much that I want to do and I just can't go fast enough, you know? And part of that is not always having the resources to make things happen and having all these dreams and ideas in my head. So that again forces me to slow down and say, okay, you have to take it a day at a time. Really, truly, you can only do what you can do each day. So what will that be today? Accomplish one thing today that will fit into the goal for the farm that's the only way I can handle such a huge project yeah so that's that story that's what started the bloomery and then the name came about through my daughters I generally throw questions out we have a group text with the four of us my daughters and I and I'll say okay here's Here's what I have today. Help me figure this out. And so they actually chose that name, the Bloomery. I think it was my oldest daughter, Hannah, who came up with it. I hate naming things. But I love that. I thought that was such an um, energetic word, you know, because it wasn't just about the flowers. It was about my life as a mom whose kids have moved away. And the second breath of life for the farm, maybe the fourth breath of life for the farm. I don't know. It's experienced a lot in its years. And so it shouldn't be kept just for me. It's, it isn't just mine. You know, it never was just mine and it never will be. So I hope people feel that when they come here. Well, I know I do. I can feel the love that's there and the passion when you tell your story as well, Kathy. So I so appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think it's so meaningful that it is so emotional for you too, because it seems to me you, you were mourning the life with your kids, with your daughters. And it was such a pivotal moment in your life to be at this place of, do I leave here and do something different? And it's like the land was speaking to you and saying, you're meant to be here. And then this download of information came and can you share a little bit about what was on your list then uh, when you came home and wrote those things down? It was really interesting because it was, I didn't even have to sit there and, you know, throw my fingers on the table. It just all came flooding out and it kind of divided itself into three or four different categories, depending on how you look at it. The first one was for the farm itself and the land. So we have a pretty significant hay meadow that we had really neglected. And now, oh, now it's weeds. And here's the funny thing is I have a, I have a picture in my hallway that's surrounded by my ancestors who farmed. And it says, don't let weeds grow around your dreams. <laughs> And I just laugh now because I'm like, oh, no, that's exactly what I did. We let weeds grow around our dreams. So right now we're really working on rehabbing um, the land. There's a dry pasture and then there's an irrigated pasture. 
And we're working with different people in the community to help us get control of the weeds. Eventually, it will become a beautiful hay meadow. And my goal is for it to be a meadow where we actually take hay off. But then in the winter, it serves as forage for the horses, which we'll get to later. So I really want it to be self-sufficient because it should be. This property should take care of itself. But it can only do that if the people owning it step up and, and do what they're supposed to do. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> so that one section was the land. It's also just loaded with trees. And whoever lived here in the years back and planted all these rows of trees, they had so much foresight or knowledge about how necessary trees are because they serve, you know, to protect the animals that are out here and save the earth. And oh my gosh, they're just the most wonderful trees. And the tree in the middle of the yard is huge. You cannot even begin to wrap your arms around it. And it leans. It's like the leaning tower of Pisa. And I hope it doesn't come over one day. But <laughs> um, to think about what all has gone on underneath its, its leaves, you know, if it could tell stories. So the land is the first section. The second section was the business itself, which is having concerts and selling flowers. And I wasn't sure at first if that was going to go together, but they really don't even have to. They both serve their own important purpose, but they both are meant to bring joy to people. And so throughout my history, I've worked with a lot of artists. I've worked with a lot of bands and music groups. And so that came easy. And that was something that I wanted to do for many, many years. So that's kind of a, a passion project of mine is bringing in local and regional artists. Um, not necessarily something you would see in Casper in town. I really want to bring in people who maybe you have not heard of and who have a different sound. So, um, the flowers, the flowers came about also during COVID and I've always had a garden, but I landed upon a woman who lives in Washington. She has Floret Flower Company and she has an incredible amount of information that she gives on Pinterest and, you know, any social media platform for free. And it is advice that, in my opinion, people would pay heavily for in this day and age of social media and all the ways to make money. But she gives a lot of information for free. And then, of course, she goes on to have workshops that cost way more than I can afford. So I gleaned everything I could from all of her free advice. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is this is exactly what I want to see out here um, in this spot where it is. I've always said to Randy, this is the perfect place for a garden. And then my daughter, youngest daughter got married on top of it. So I thought I'll grow her flowers, which we didn't even use. <laughs> but we ended up uh, with a huge experiment under our belts and I loved it. It was so much work, but the end result was just, heaven and so I just decided every year I'll just decide if I'm going to do it again next year because it is so much work but so far I don't want to stop so that's where the flowers came from <laughs> um let's see and then the last part of my list was about the 
the animals and not just animals in general, it was for wild horses. There was a day recently that I had some something really unfortunate happen. And I went outside and was standing at the corral and this beautiful bay horse, he doesn't have a name yet because I just can't think of one that's worthy of him. But he came over to me and put his nose through the panel and he just blew on my face. And um, I don't know what that was. I call it the breath of heaven because I was so sad at that moment. And I didn't even say anything. He just came over and he blew in my face, the soft, warm, sweet breath. And um, I don't know. I just Some people don't maybe believe in that connection, but I do believe that horses especially can feel us. And uh, wow, he really felt me at that moment. And, you know, I, I have so much respect for them and what they've been through and where they come from. And gosh, there are, there are history. They're, you know, I'm worthy of saving and we're about to lose them. And I just, my heart just hurts for this to happen. I can't even hardly deal with it. And if you want to know about it, get a hold of me because I'll be more than happy to catch you up. I think a lot of people I encounter tell me that they don't realize they didn't even know that the horses are being rounded up to the degree that they are. But right now there are 70,000 wild horses being held in different locations across the United States and they're being auctioned off and, you know, you hope they go to a good home, but um, it's been shown that a lot of them are slipping through the cracks and going to slaughter. And so the debate is hot. It is a hot, hot topic and it's multifaceted. It's not a simple story. So that is something I'm really, really passionate about and, there's got to be a way if people would just stop for a minute and turn their agendas off and look at things through science and everybody just is stuck in what they believe is the best for the horses and nobody's making any progress for the horses and the horses are losing. So I feel very passionate about that, um, but it's happening right now. This is real time history happening right now and we are going to lose our horses if something doesn't change. So, so you're on the board, you're on a board for the wild horses. Is that right, Kathy? Yeah. So the, the group is so 501 called the Wiley Mustang Institute. And it was founded here in Casper by Chad and Lynn Hansen. And those two are amazing. They spend so much time documenting the horses, which how valuable is that to know the bloodlines and, they, Chad is an amazing photographer. His photos are stunning, stunning. And Lynn does all the video work. And on their Instagram, they have over 14,000 followers. So they have a huge platform. And what I really respect about Chad and Lynn is they come from such an educational perspective. You know, it's, it's not this staunch, legalistic perspective. It's here's what the science says. Here's what we have. Here here's what we could do to make this work. But like many other people who have that same perspective, you know, they're, they're not being listened to. The government could take on board what people are saying and listen, but they're silent. They're silent. But Chad and Lynn just, they keep, they keep going. You know, they just don't give up and, 
they're not obnoxious people. They're wonderful, well-spoken people. And Chad does classes through Ollie called the Wild Horse Experience. And so not only does he teach about the wild horse situation and the horses, but he takes people out to see them in the wild so that you can take your camera and spend the day among the wild horses. And being there where they live is an incredible experience. It is not like what you read in the books. Being there is magical. And if you ever want to experience something like that, I urge you to go, go take a class from Chad because you will come back a different person and gain such an appreciation for what's going on down there. It's, it's really wonderful. So they're a wonderful organization. I'm trying to think if they have anything coming up right now, but I don't think so. Chad just had a book published. He's written many books, but he had one just published called In the Land of Awe. And that's available on Amazon. And it's a wonderful book about our Wyoming horses. So great, great stuff right there. And I love, I love it. It's like my little girl dream come true. (laughs) Yeah, so everyone check out The Land of Awe on Amazon. And then Ollie classes, if you're interested in taking an Ollie class from Chad, that's at Casper College. So check out the flyer or the booklet that comes out about upcoming classes for the fall, potentially the end of summer as well. We're just coming up on summer. So I imagine you might have some in the summer as well. And I just want to notice as well how passionate you are about the horses, Kathy, and how you are doing your part to help the horses as well by the fundraiser. I know the first time that I came out to the bloomery was for the wild horse fundraiser and speaking as passionately as you are now. And I know that you do that with other groups as well. And then adopting your own two wild horses too. So I appreciate you sharing the word about that. So more people are aware of what's happening. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I think we all have different ways we can be involved in our passions. And I don't want people to think that they have to do what I do because it's a big, it's a big step to take wild horses on into your life. But, you know, if you feel passionate about it, there are other ways to be involved you know, a lot of people say, I don't know what I can do. And that's with anything in life that we're passionate about. But, you know, you when you know, you know. And when you get that go signal, then do it. Do it. Don't sit back and not do it. I'm just to the point in my life where I'm like, I have this one time around. And I don't want to sit on the sidelines, you know. But not every fight is mine. Choosing what works for you, though, and making an effort to do whatever really calls to you and calls to your heart. So you were saying that the horses sometimes take time away from your flowers. And so maybe there's a little (laughs) bit of back and forth there. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about, about your flowers, because I saw you, Kathy, I knew about the bloomery because I saw your beautiful marketing around town with your flowers. I know you're a photographer, so your marketing is stunning. 
And I thought that can't be in Casper, but oh my gosh, it is in Casper. So tell me a little bit about the variety of flowers that you have. And if someone's interested in coming to see them, besides, of course, coming to the concerts, and we'll talk a little bit more about your concerts. But besides that, how else then can they come out to see them? There's a couple of businesses that have offered to help me with the bouquets and selling the bouquets. It really has not been a problem selling the bouquets. I honestly, I can't make enough. But um, Grazing Gathering, I have worked out a situation where I take flowers into her shop on Fridays. It's called Flower Fridays. And I drop them off in the morning. Right before she opens, I'm usually sliding into the parking lot just as she's opening. (laughs) Uh, But there are these amazing ladies in town who are already there waiting to buy those bouquets when I come and deliver them. So that, that was so cute to me to see that they're excited about them and it makes them happy. So Grave Together will have them on Fridays. I will have bouquets for sale at our concerts this year because I thought, why am I not doing that? And they don't have, you know, they will hold on to your bouquets until you leave. So they don't wilt while you're listening to the music. But it's such a big project. You know, there's a lot of avenues and offshoots to the whole thing as far as the flowers themselves i have in the greenhouse growing right now i've lost count of how many (laughs) varieties of flowers but somewhere between 40 and 70 varieties of flowers and a huge chunk of those are the zinnias because they they're almost bomb proof you know the bugs don't really bother them they love heat they they still need water and our clay soil, is, as you probably know, is so hard to grow things in. But these things just go. And the flowers that I have in my garden, they're over my head by the end of the summer. It's just crazy how they take off. Mm-hmm. I really want to grow things that are an extension of me. I feel like this this whole place is kind of an extension of me. And I really love romantic and not like Victorian romantic. I like, I call it my French English vision. So I like a little wild with a little formal. And I feel like uh, English gardens tend to be really clean and pristine and French gardens tend, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't remember right now, but one is really formal. One is really messy. And I love that. So I like to have the really strong statement flowers with a lot of wispy, whimsical mixed in. But I also love wildflowers. And so if I can get wildflowers to grow in abundance, those will be mixed in with our bouquets because especially at this time in our history, when we're realizing how important growing more than just a lawn is important to all of our insect world, Uh, I want to do whatever I can to make sure that all the bugs have all that they need because they're the building blocks for absolutely everything. And if we don't have our bugs, we aren't going to be here. And that may sound crazy, but that is the truth. So anyway, I, I want to grow those things and have this place be where everyone has what they need and can, can thrive. And that's kind of what my mission is, is providing a place where people and nature thrive. And it's just important. Well, and there's a there's almost this permaculture 
idea that I'm getting as you talk as well, that you're clearing the weeds out of your hay field so that then your horses can eat the hay and the bugs and how they take care of the flowers and and really the flowers then breaking down some of the clay that is in our soil and making it better able to grow the plants that we need as well. And I'm just marveling that those flowers are taller than you. That is incredible that they love where they live. If they are growing that tall, you're doing something right in Wyoming to grow flowers like that. So I'll tell you the trick that I learned that I think is the key because as you know, we are so famous for our wind and I have grown these beautiful little swaths of flowers that after one rainstorm, they're smashed down on the ground and they're never the same again. So this gal, Erin from Florets that I mentioned earlier, one of the pieces of advice that she gave was so simple. And that is to use um, horticultural netting that you can buy in, in huge bolts. So my flower beds are about four feet wide, which is exactly how wide this netting is. And I use rebar to mark um, sections within my rows. And then I strap this netting over the top. And as the flowers grow, they grow up through that netting. And so when the wind comes, they don't get knocked over. And they they have the opportunity then to grow be all that they're supposed to be because they have that gentle support. Um, so they don't get knocked over, but they do get they get jostled around a little bit, which I think is a good thing because I think it helps their roots to dig deeper and hold on. I had some amaranth last summer, golden amaranth, which I'm not going to grow again because I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and uh, the birds loved it, and that was great, but. It was really messy, but it was also beautiful. They were these big, huge, I don't even know what you would call it. Just these they're, like big, pl- they're like plumes, aren't they? Plumes. Good way to describe it because they are so top heavy and they just drape with these long plumes and seeds. But um, anyway, that they were taller than me as well at the end of the summer, but they did end up, we had a huge wind come through and they were just too top heavy to last. So I won't those again they were a mess but you live and you learn <laughs> that's part of the fun of it is um editing out what doesn't work and those definitely got chopped so <laughs> well I love your story I think it includes a lot of live and learn and really having this really big vision and then being able to pare it down to what can I do today And I think it speaks to so many businesses. I think we try to get in such a hurry when we're entrepreneurs and we can only do so much. And really to admire the people that we look at as well for what they've been able to accomplish, knowing that they started where we all start as well and that they needed to do one day at a time and that over time that accumulates and becomes something that sometimes to the outside observer can look like overnight success, but it's not. There's so much behind it, right? I I think one of the biggest things that I have learned that I've noticed other entrepreneurs say is they were all at that 
point in time where they had to make a decision or get off the fence and they all decided to do it. And, you know, that was so, there was just, you know, right in my face, either do it or get out. So um, just taking that step to do it was the key factor in it. And that's what I, I'm bringing that up because I've talked to so many people since starting this bloomery and we all have that connection where we decided to say yes to our dream. Because if you don't say yes, you're always going to wonder what yeah. would have happened. And I think we are given dreams for a reason. You know, they're not just random thoughts. It's part of who we are and who we're supposed to be. And it's so easy to lose your purpose as you move through life and you get really busy. And even when you're running a business, being bombarded by everyone's ideas, your own ideas, the day-to-day tasks, you can lose sight of your vision and your purpose for your business. And you have to keep revisiting. You have to save that piece of paper where you wrote down your bucket list for your business because you'll get off track if you don't. But you'll also grow and learn from it. Like, wow, look at all I've done in the last year. I haven't done everything, but I've done three quarters of everything that I set out to do. That's such a huge reward at the end of the day. Yes, yes. I'm so glad you said that. I think that is so important to know that it is one at a time to this big dream. And in order to do any of that, we have to say yes. We have to take that first scary step though, right? Yeah, It's it, and if it has, if it isn't working, it just isn't working yet. Right, that's exactly right. Let's tie up talking about your concerts that are coming up. Yes. That was that was your other big part yes. with, with all these other parts that came to yes. you in this pivotal <laughs> moment. So tell me about what's coming up for the summer. So June 10th is Gabriel the Bull. July 22nd is the Wildwoods. And they're an up-and-coming band that's absolutely taking off. I am so thankful that we are in their summer tour because it is a very long list of of places that they're going. August 26th is Corey McDaniel, the Corey McDaniel duo and the Pleasure People, both from Casper. And the fun thing about them is every concert they do is different. So if you see them in town, you are not going to see the same show when you come out here. And I appreciate that about Corey and Amy Geisky especially, I think they really make an effort to be fresh mm-hmm. and don't do the same thing. They're full of surprises. Um, the last couple will be um, September 9th, and that's Max Hat and Etta Glass, and they're from Montana, and they do Bossa Nova Jazz. It is the swankiest music oh my gosh the first time I ever heard them I knew I had to bring them to the farm because they are the epitome of professionalism musicianship and entertaining and I just feel like that is going to be the ultimate date night so grab someone who will appreciate a night of jazz music and come sit under the stars because they are really, really special and they travel all over. They often go to New York and play in New York City. So they're very well traveled and they're um, very special. So 
I would really encourage people not to miss them just for the experience that they bring. So mm -hmm. um, I wanted to point out a couple things, and that is that this year tickets are $20. And also concerts start at 7 o'clock this summer, not 7.30. We have a lot of families with little kids, and I want them to be able to get home in good time and not have tired children on their hands. So we're starting a little bit earlier. So um, you can go uh, Eventbrite. We have tickets through Eventbrite. Um, Gabriel the Bull is already selling out. So if you want to see Gabriel the Bull, you really need to get it on it with your tickets because that's uh, close to the end there. Tickets for the next one, the Wild Woods will go on sale in June. Great. So we try to start ticket sales a month ahead. I'll be getting my tickets. I've been talking about it since the first day you opened <laughs> tickets and my husband is not committing. So I'm just going to have to commit to it myself. And if he doesn't want to go, then I'm going to bring somebody else with me. Yeah, bring a girlfriend with you. <laughs> Absolutely. So the best place to find tickets for your concerts is website and then it will go, it'll take you to Evenbrite. Is that right? Yes, we have the link on the website, but we also have it on Instagram in our profile for the Bloomery and also Facebook. Will you have food available at the concerts as well? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's really important. So Graze and Gather takes pre-orders for their grazing boxes and then she she hand delivers those out here. So those are always a big favorite. And also, Maryland and Native will have food available. And we also have Skull Tree Brewing Company coming out again. They're wonderful beer. So we like to have that. And people can bring their own. We really try to encourage people to keep it to wine and beer because hard alcohol doesn't do us any favors in settings like that. But I will tell you, we have the best audience members that come out for these concerts and we have had zero issues but we are a ways out from town so we just want everybody to get back safely right so try to keep it you know healthy for all just just be careful but um yeah so bring your lawn chairs tickets and come enjoy the evening it's the most wonderful way to pass the time i love it so much <laughs> Yeah, bring your lawn chairs, bring your blankets. Kids are there. There's a swing. They love to yep. find the swing. There's the twinkly lights. There's the stars. There's the music. There's the food. Everybody just, it's such an enjoyable evening. It just feels wholesome. So, so. definitely in, encourage everyone to go. So check out the website. Get your tickets on Evenbrite. Be sure to get those tickets for Gabriel the Bull as soon as possible. And then ordering flowers, you can order flowers on your website as well. Is that right, Kathy? You can order bouquets on the website. You can also order subscriptions. And you can choose if you want one a month, two a month, or three a month. Which also I meant to say that I do, I do going back several chapters in our conversation. I have a girl that does my website, Courtney Pruitt, and I don't do the website. She does it for me and she's amazing. I just wanted to throw that out there. But yes, you can order flowers to the website or just, you know, give me a call, message me. You know, if you need a bouquet, I've done. I'm not a floral designer and I will never claim to be, but I love making bouquets. 
So I stick to that and I will do wedding bouquets or bridesmaids bouquets. We've done that in the last summer for a few different weddings. And I had a bride drive up to my house at 5.30 in the morning and I shoved her bouquet through her window and she took off and eloped and it was so cute. It was just one of the most fun memories for this whole thing. You know, she she and her fiance were sitting in the car and just beaming. So it was neat to be a part of that. So many incredible experiences that you are able to have as a result of being part of this land and really cultivating the the beauty of all of it and then inviting us all to be part of that. I really, really appreciate you, Kathy. I'm so glad that you were here and shared your story today. I think it's going to be meaningful to so many other people as well. So thank you for what you're doing Thank you for being here today. And I'm just looking forward to seeing you at the next concert. I am excited to see you too. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you and the way you listen and ask questions and really bring out things that I, I mean, I think things that most of us don't even think about. We're just, you know, you know, and this is why you're so good at what you do. Everybody's just living their life. But everybody has something fun to bring to the table. And I've enjoyed listening to your other interviews. So thank you for even asking me to be part of this. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Leading Life, a production by the Center for Conscious Communication, hosted by me, Stacy Carruth. I'd like to thank Ty Pierce for his artwork and technical guidance. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Leading Life on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and catch you again next time.